0: Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with H-O-W-C Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.
1: Well, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Daniel Wright with Heart of Worship Church, and my beautiful wife is joining me.
0: Hello, guys.
1: Miranda Wright, and this is the Heart of Worship Church podcast. We appreciate you listening. Today, we're going to be talking about a place of positioning For preparation, if you were born again and saved, God has a plan for you. Thus saith the Lord, a plan for good and not of evil or harm, to bring purpose into your life. There is a calling on your life in the process to get to that ordination of that call. There will be a preparation and God will prepare you in certain positions of your life that will inevitably will bring trial and hardship. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, and verses 34 and 35, which is David's response to Saul's opposition to David's proposition to fight Goliath on behalf of the Israelite army. But David reveals something very key in his response to Saul. And, sweetheart, why don't you go ahead and pick that up? 1 Samuel 17,
0: 34 and 35. It says, And David said unto Saul... Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him.
1: So here David is telling Saul that, He's technically not inexperienced, though he is facing a giant uh, Goliath about nine feet, nine inches, some estimate even taller than that, uh, but had slain bears and lions that had attacked his father's sheep.
0: I think David had faith to win the fight, but his faith was not just something that he imagined or mustered up in that moment. God was faithful through the years, through the positioning to build his faith in order to be able to face his Goliath, his giant. But David had to be faithful to maintain the position because it wasn't a pleasant or a glorious position. I think really important to understand the context culturally and and the situations around this and to visualize and put ourselves in that. David was estimated to be about a 12-year-old boy. So you're looking at this child against this giant, but more than that, we understand also that there were no weapons even in the Israelite army. They were not uh, constructing uh, metal and iron like the uh, the Philistines and the the Canaanites were. So the the enemy armies had armor, they had swords, they had weapons, but the Israelites really had nothing. In fact, it's believed that probably Saul and Jonathan were the only people who had armor and had swords. That's why David had to actually kill Goliath with his own sword. So you put yourself in this context. An entire army is afraid of this giant. They have no weapons. He's challenged them. No one has stood forward. And yet this little 12-year-old scrawny kid comes up to King Saul and says, hey, let me fight him. And understanding that the winner of this, this one fight determines the outcome of the whole battle. It, mm-hmm. The whole nation is at stake in this one fight. So obviously Saul is like, are you crazy? Right. And, and But David had faith for the fight because he was faithful to stay in this lowly position for the time that it took for God to equip him to take this promise.
1: There was a lot that hung in the balance as to the outcome of that fight. So you can understand Saul's reservation. I want to chime specifically and hone in on that point that you had made when you said it wasn't a glorious position, because essentially that is the word for today in this podcast. The positioning of preparation, usually nine times out of 10, if not 100% of the time based on God's mo, is it will not be glorious because even Jesus was laid in a feeding trough as the king of the world. God's MO is to position us as low as possible, to elevate us as high as possible. The devil will want to elevate us as high as possible, but in the end, it will be destruction. Pride goeth before the fall. And that is the reality of theology and the way God works and understanding the mind of God, which is counter to ours in the natural state. That said, David is the youngest. His older brothers are a part of the Israelite military. There is glamour, if you will, to be in the military. Even here in the United States, in every country, when people walk in their military uniform, there is a reverence of respect and an admiration to be a part of the military. But David is a farmhand. David is watching stinky, muddy sheep.
0: Right. They have the persona of being mighty warriors. Right. Even if they haven't actually faced any battle, they're in the title and the position, uh, which we see a lot in the church. There are those who have title and position, but have they fought the fight? David was faithful to tend to his father's flock. And so God knew that he would be faithful to tend to his. Right. So he trusted him because he had been tested in the season of waiting and preparation. I love that God says prophetically, even when David was a child, that he was a man mm-hmm. after his own heart. Mm-hmm. And, and we see that in the fact that David was willing to charge, to pursue danger in order to save one lamb. It says he went and he pulled the lamb. He snatched and saved the lamb right out of the lion's mouth. And that's what Christ did for us. So David was a man after God's own heart. God was saying, he's like me because I'm going to do that. Jesus did that. He pursued the enemy to pull us back even out of his mouth, his lambs. He knew he could trust this boy with his flock because he was faithful to do this unglorious thing and to face danger in order to save something that he loved. He loved the flock. And love cast out fear. Right. But see, they were running from the danger because they really didn't have a love for each other and for the flock. And we see that because even when their own little baby brother comes, they're teasing him and picking at him and, and, and really being jealous Correct. of him. Like,
1: who are you, David? You're, you're just a little boy. But it's, it's funny you say that because what if the older brothers, though they were in the military uniform, they've never fought. Right. Yet David had killed bears and lions all the more qualified just without the uniform. There's actually two lessons to be learned in this text. The point you're bringing out is that oftentimes someone has the glamour, but without the maturity. Mm -hmm. Others have the maturity without the glamour. Mm -hmm. The other lesson is that, in my experience, Grazed in Church is this rush to the platform for those who don't want the father's sheep position. They just want to go straight to the military. Right. You understand that that's unfortunately a reality within the immature Christian. They have to understand that it's time to start serving in Jesse's pasture right. before you can hit the battlefield.
0: I think key to this story is that God is making a point that there is a very big difference between those that are trained by men and those that are trained by heaven. Because those in the military, the brothers, had learned things, obviously, probably, but they were learning from other people who maybe themselves had not even fought in any real battles. They didn't have any real weapons even. But yet God had trained David. David took the time to sit in the quiet, in the pasture, in his wilderness season, and be taught personally and for God to take him through experiences. And ultimately, the wilderness is the only true Bible college that God ever brings people through. Um, And that's not to say you can't learn things in Bible college, just like the brothers probably learned some things. But if you don't walk with God through those experiences and those wildernesses, you're not going to really have the faith to be able to face the real battles and the real Goliaths that are coming. And God is not going to trust you with the real weapons and the real power in order to accomplish it. It wasn't the the rock that killed Goliath. He said, you come at me with spear and sword. You know, I come to you with the name of the Lord. The rock represented Christ. He had faith in the true power and authority that it was going to take to take this giant down because he had seen it proven true through the experiences in the wilderness season when he stayed in position. Or something that wasn't glorious, but God was preparing him. I think we see this also with uh, Joseph and the coat of many colors. That through his time in Potiphar's house and in the prison, in these unglorious situations, that seemed like he was actually going further and further away from the promise was actually preparing him to possess the promise because he was learning how to lead Potiphar's house. Then he's learning how to lead the prison. Then God pulls him out and puts him in a palace. What he already knows how to manage people under him because it was in the positioning that God himself was actually training him. Remember, David already had the promise to be the new king before the whole Goliath situation ever arose. We don't know the time frame, but there was obviously a space at which David is anointed to be king and then all of a sudden what nothing okay go back to the field go exactly. go sit and watch the sheep
1: That's exactly right. You have the problem uh, with that. Well, <laughs> say problem, but that's the reality of it, right? We'll have a promise and a revelation, we get excited and then oh, time to go through the wilderness. Oh my gosh, you know, hey, we'll be freed out of Egypt, right? Let my people go, but I, we went 40 years in the wilderness. Of course, most of us know it could have been much shorter, mm-hmm. but that the wilderness experience was there nonetheless, albeit whatever time frame, but to get to the promise, we have to go through that process. So it was an excellent point about his ordination and that, excuse me, his anointing for ordination, but you're going to get that anointing and that word and that promise way before you see the elevation uh, of positioning in that ord- ordained place. You know, and talking about too the uh the abilities on uh, hone in on that reality, David had to learn soul dependence on God, you know in the natural people read the story, they think okay well, like you said, the rock killed Goliath, well, the rock and the sling that he's used before killed the lion and the bear. The Bible says that David pulled the sheep from the lion's mouth. This is without a doubt a miracle, a genuine miracle. this boy was operating under the power of Almighty God and anointing to do this work. So David didn't go to Saul and say, well, (laughs) I'm really good with this sling and stone now. No, he went to Saul knowing that God was with him. So albeit the Goliath was much bigger and taller than that lion, he knew it didn't matter because when God is for us, who can be against us? So, continuing on in the story, uh, we're going to look at verse 45, same chapter, through 47. Uh, David replies to the Philistine, who had, of course, mocked him, and it says, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Pause right here and notice, like you said, he didn't say, I'm coming to you with my rock and my sling, right? because the faith was not in the rock and the sling. You're, the faith has to be in God and God's power and God's anointing to work and operate through you.
0: And, and I think key too here, he said he knew God had delivered him. That experience of having God deliver him from the, the lion and the bear before gave him faith. That God could deliver him from Goliath and that God wanted to deliver Israel because there was a promise, right? He He obviously knew the promises of God to Abraham, the promises through Moses, the promises for the promised land. And if this giant wins this fight and they are overtaken by the Philistines, then the promise dies. So obviously God has to honor his promises, so God will deliver, kind of like the the word of Mordecai to Esther. God will deliver the Jews, but if you keep your silence now, it's going to come from another source, but you were born for such a time as this. So we see David, he's had the promise, you're going to be king. This is all going to be preserved because God will fulfill his word, even you know he keeps his covenants to a thousand generations. But do you have the faith that he can do it through you? So stand in the position that you have been given. You have been prepared for this. Trust him to do it. They all probably, let's assume they had faith that God could save Israel. They had heard all the stories of Egypt and everything else, but they didn't have the faith that God could do it through them because they hadn't experienced that personal deliverance because they hadn't been faithful to sit with him in a personal wilderness. Mm. Moses had the, the ability to lead others through their wilderness because he was faithful to first sit for 40 years through his own wilderness. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of wanting to run and jump into the palace or into positions that we have not yet been stripped and equipped for, because we don't have a real basis of faith in order to be prepared to endure what it's going to take to possess those promises.
1: That's the key, is understanding the word today is being faithful in that pasture. Allow God to give you Jesse's pasture so God can then give you the battlefield.
0: Right. Because think of this. What if David had been so eager to take hold of that promise? Oh, you're anointed. You're going to be king. Oh, how do I get there? What do I do? Oh, I need to go join the military. I need to go do what my brothers are doing. I need right. to, and, and that's where a lot of envy comes in in ministry, because people start seeing other people who have grabbed hold of something outside of their timing, and they're moving in immaturity, uh, and, and then they think, oh, I was supposed to get that. So they get envious, and they start competing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like whenever we went for a hike recently with some of our youth, and some of them... Uh, kept running up ahead and trying to lead. They were just so concerned with being seen as being first or as making it out or as seeming like they knew what they were doing when they really didn't, that they actually missed a lot of the lessons that I had intended to teach them on the journey. They missed the point of the wilderness. So they came out of it unprepared. And I asked them questions at the end and they weren't able to fulfill. But what I saw happening through the process was that there became a competition Because Mm. some were trying to run ahead of the time and of the teacher. Others were trying to catch up. And then all of a sudden, they're all just trying to outrun each other. And nobody is sitting there with the teacher learning the lessons of the wilderness. None of them were Mm. prepared when they came out of it to pass the test that I had for them. And we have a risk of that. But in the season we're coming into right now is a time for the Davids to arise, the faithful ones who have sat in their wilderness and been taught personally by the Lord. For the Josephs, who were willing to endure with integrity, those who held the position and fulfilled the purpose of it and learned the lessons, God is about to elevate them. And those who kept running ahead and just trying to get title and position and be seen as something actually were moving in immaturity, God is going to strip and to pull down. Jesus himself gave the warning, to not seek the higher seat because eventually the master of the house will come and will take you out of it and will humble you and you'll be embarrassed, but rather take the low seat like Joseph and David did because in time, once you have passed the test and he knows he can trust you with his resources, with that rock and that stone or with the palace... And, and the provision, he will then elevate you in the proper season. And we're coming into that season right now. In fact, it's kind of already started. He is dethroning and he is elevating. The scripture says that it is in his power to take down kings and to position kings. So right now, those who have tried to place themselves, he's starting to pull down. But those who have been willing to wait on the Lord are starting to be elevated.
1: And one other thing to take note, too, is that this was not the end of David's story. Mm-hmm. To your point, he was anointed king before all this. But what's interesting is when we have a victory in our lives, we think, oh, I have arrived. Well, guess what? Now we have to put, prepare and position David for the palace. So then comes the caves. Right. I have to lead a small group of men in the. The cave lifestyle, right. shall we say, while they were running for their lives, David's men, right? So he was trained, first he was trained in the pasture to, to fight. right? Then he was trained in the cave to lead.
0: Right. Every new anointing requires a new crushing. And we can't just hold on to what we went through once before our old wilderness and think that it is sufficient for a new anointing. It will prepare us for the purpose in which God is going to use us. But then once that is accomplished, once that battle that is won, that victory has come, then we have to allow him to begin to prepare us for the next one. You know, there there was a preparation in the wilderness to get the children of Israel to the promise. But then once they got to the promise... There were also battles within the promised land and they had their own purpose. So we have to always be willing to come back to that place to sit and to seek and to listen and to say, "Okay God, whatever you need to do to strip and to equip me for what is coming, I'm willing. I'm not going to assume that I already know that I already have it that what got me to where I am now is sufficient for where I am going."
1: Amen. Amen. So good points to remember to take away. You're not alone. God is with you. Simply stay faithful in that pasture and don't lose heart. Nothing that God sets up is ever wasted. There is always purpose in your pain and there's always triumph after trial. So during the time we need to learn to keep our heads down and our hearts right, keep our eyes on the throne and trust God through that process. There is an end to your situation and there will be elevation. After your humbling.
0: Amen. Let us pray. Amen. Lord, we ask for wisdom in this area of our lives. We ask for you to bring complete revelation and put this into our hearts so that we can have patience when we endure these situations, that we don't try to get out of position ahead of time before we learn the lessons that are needed to help us to possess the promise. Lord, we believe you with all faith and endurance for the things that you have spoken over us and over our lives. But Lord, we choose today to say that you are the one who are the fulfiller of your covenants. And you will bring it about as long as we keep praising and keep having faith and keep seeking you to learn the lessons each day that you are trying to teach us so that we can be ready when we come out of our wilderness. We thank you in faith that we are at that point that that season has approached. That for many who are listening to this podcast, you are ready to start elevating. And for those who have not been faithful, who kept putting their hands to the wheel and trying to take control or trying to make it happen. Lord, sometimes we have to repeat a wilderness season because that's what happened to the children in Israel when they kept trying to do it their own way. So if someone has to go through this cycle again, I pray for the faith and the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding to do it the right way. So that when it comes back around, they can walk into that promise fully equipped and full of faith, having gone through the experiences that were needed to help them to know that you can take down their Goliath. Oh, Lord. But for those who have waited and have listened, Lord, I pray blessing. I pray encouragement. I pray that hope would rise in them to know that they are not forgotten out in that little pasture, that the time has come for you to call the Davids to rise up and to face their Goliath and to be positioned for the victories that you have commissioned for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next one.
0: This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.